The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that wants to prove it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Vodafone Zone. Please welcome your host, Simon Pound. Y Combinator is one of the great names in tech and startups. The incubator slash business bootcamp is famously hard to get into and famously hard full stop. Airbnb, Dropbox and Stripe are some of the alumni and they only accept companies that they reckon have billion dollar potential. It's also, like much of Silicon Valley, disproportionately made up of young, male, Stanford graduate founders, and there's not a lot of people accepted from outside the US, let alone from little old New Zealand. But Dr. Aliona Medallion... But Dr. Aliona Medallion, CEO of Thematic, managed to break a lot of those preconceptions. She has a PhD pioneering new work in machine learning. She's doing it after 30 with her husband as a partner in the company and their two young kids in tow. Their company uses machine learning to get insights from customer feedback for big companies like Stripe, Air New Zealand and Vodafone, and they've been part of the Vodafone Zone startup accelerator here. They've just picked up a new funding round, have traction and momentum in a super exciting space, and we're very lucky to have Eliona join us now. G'day. Hi, <laughs> great to be here. Such an honor. I have listened to so many uh, episodes of your podcast. Ah, that's so cool to hear. Um, hey, so, so tell me, g- give me the elevator pitch. What do you tell a friend at a barbecue about what Thematic does? Sure. So at Thematic, we help companies understand customer feedback and help them realize how they can increase customer satisfaction and decrease churn. And the example that I typically give at a party is um, all of you have received at some point a survey from a company asking, how would you rate your experience on one to 10 or a different scale? And um, typically there is an open text field that where you can put in your complaints or the things that you love about that company or that brand. So we take all of this feedback from thousands of people and extract insights. So we tell companies where they should prioritize, um, what are the things that are dragging their average score down, or what are the things that they're good at. And how do you do that in a way that's uh, different and new by being able to analyze uh, the, the open text? So open text is just whatever someone writes in a box, hey? Yeah, exactly. And traditionally, the way it has been solved in the past is Um, People would just read um, either samples or the entire thing. In market research, they would read and code every single piece according to a thing called code frame. 
and it's a very tedious process for a person reading um, for the hundredth time. Your, your service was super friendly. It's, it's a very boring <laughs> piece of work. So um, we use technology, and the great thing about thematic is we don't need any other input other than just raw data. And we automatically find themes, hence the name of the company. Um, then we visualize it using um, easy to understand charts and let people interact with the data to understand their customers better. And I imagine this becomes really useful the bigger a company is. So if you've got uh, only a few feedback um, surveys coming in, you can probably read it yourself. But once you're in New Zealand and you have thousands of people a day, I imagine this becomes handy. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't typically work with um, companies who only have a couple of hundreds of feedback per, per week or per month. It's, um, they should be reading all of this anyway. But uh, when the company gets large, um, what happens is that they actually have m many different surveys at different customer journeys. Uh, for example, um, when somebody books a flight at Air New Zealand, they might have a survey afterwards about the experience um, of booking that flight, or after they've already have done the flight, came back, or they used the Coral Lounge, um, or for example, interacted with their recent chatbot. So um, anytime you put something into Air New Zealand's chatbot called Oscar, um, we actually get this data and then we help them understand what kind of questions Oscar can't answer yet. That's so cool. And how, how do you, um, you know, in the someone's listening to this podcast on the way home on the bus kind of level of detail, how do you take the, um, the language and process it to find out what the sentiment is and what, uh, yeah, what, what's going on in a way that's then standardised over so many responses? Yeah, this is a really hard problem, and it's also a very fascinating problem, which um, is the only way I could study it for such a long time. So I have a PhD from, and, and actually my master's was also in the same thing, extracting meaning from text. So language is fascinating. There are hundreds of ways of expressing the same thing using many different words. Mm. And you really need algorithms to figure out the meaning of individual words and then the meaning of a phrase when you put these words into um, into a phrase. So for example, if we take wet newspaper, you could the word wet you could say as um, drenched on, or soaking. Newspaper can be written as one word or as two words, or you can just say paper. And um, in different contexts, it could mean different things. So um, we basically use algorithms to learn the meaning of the words that are similar, and then um, put it together into into common themes. And that must be so hard uh, if it was wet blanket and maybe someone's complaining that the, uh, the, the the steward on the plane had passed them a wet blanket, or maybe they were saying that the steward on the plane was a wet blanket. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you um, yeah how, how do you work with those kind of idiosyncrasies of of language? Yeah. Um, a very common question is how do you deal with sarcasm? And it's um, exactly yeah, not yeah. <laughs> so we have done some research into how sarcastic are people actually um, in customer when they provide feedback as customers, and we found that 
they're very rarely sarcastic in service because when they provide feedback, they don't want to be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And um, on social media, they are likely to be more sarcastic, but often the sarcasm is um, in response to somebody, something like, yeah, right, um, and not very often at all, maybe 3% or less mm -hmm. in um, when they provide actual useful feedback about the services or the products of a company. Ah, yes, I suppose in the context of a survey, you would get more, more accurate uh, kind of stuff. How do you test stuff? So do you randomly pull out a small percentage of the things that have been analysed through your programme and then just sense check them to make sure you're on the right kind of um, path? Or do you have another programme that checks your programme? Or what, what, <laughs> what kind of stuff do you do? Um, so we have our own ways and um, there is a white paper that... I'd on our webpage, which I don't want to bore the, <laughs> the listeners, um, but how companies test um, when they um, decide whether or not they would be comfortable relying on thematic is that they basically do this, the same task using their analysts and then they compare side by side the results. Mm. So it's, there's always this um, computer versus human comparison. Um, in the best situation, you should be comparing not just to one human, but to several people, because people tend to disagree as well on what matters. And it's the people kind of fighting for their lives, <laughs> like fighting for their jobs. Get this right, get this right. Um, t tell, me about, um, t t tell me about how you ended up in Y Combinator, which is such a cool... Um, like such a cool achievement in the world of startups uh, that, that, you know, if, if someone's listening that isn't a, um, a, a deep fan of the world of startups, uh, yeah, the, the companies that have come out of it, the process to get in there, um, it, it's amazing. Yeah, Y Combinator was amazing, truly amazing. And um, we got into Y Combinator by chance. So Nathan Holmberg, um, who is my husband and my co-founder, um, signed up for their startup school because they, as part of the startup school, they would release weekly videos on how to build and grow a startup. And he was needing something to watch the videos, some kind of a reminder. Um, it turned out that the startup school was um, a way of scouting for new startups to join. And we also got to experience what it's like to work with some of the alumni who were um, our mentors during that program. And towards the end, we got encouraged to, to apply. Um, and to be honest, we didn't even consider. We, we saw these emails, you know, late applications still open, but um, we just never th thought it would be a place for us. Um, and only through encouragement from one of the Y Combinator alumni, we ended up applying. And um, from then on, everything happened very quickly. Mm -hmm. How come you didn't think it was um, for you? Because the startup school that you were part of, that still had like a 50,000 down to only a couple of thousand people accepted, like a 50, 25 to 1 or something kind of chance on that. And then, you know, you have the uh, the experience and the, the education. How is it still not something that felt um, like it was applying to you? Yeah, good question. I think... Um why Combinator, in my mind, wasn't associated with um, a husband and wife with two kids running a company. Um, and when I got there, I was surprised to see um, 
quite a lot of women. Um, there were, I think, two pregnant women <laughs> in the program. There were still um, around 12%, which is not nearly enough. But at least I could see that there is a place for um, entrepreneurs like myself once we got there. What were the demands of the program like? Well, the demands are that you focus on this one goal. Um, for companies who are already selling, it needs to be a revenue growth. And um, the target is to basically increase it as much as you can by demo day, which is when you present to investors on stage. And um, every week you meet with your mentors, otherwise you're just doing it in your own time, in your own office. We didn't have an office, we had a shed at the back of our house. <laughs> and we worked from libraries when it was too hot. And um, the, the demands were to attend the, um, the office hours with group partners, update them on your progress, attend one-on-one -on -one meetings with experts. Um, well, really, it's not a, not demands, but opportunities mm -hmm. to basically learn from the best people who have done it many, many times over um, how to grow the business. And how did it help you refine what you were doing and, uh, yeah, yeah, move the, the product and the kind of concept along? So, funnily enough, we have... Um, the product has improved significantly as well as our sales. So the sales improved just by the virtue of us focusing on it very heavily. And the product improved because we managed to sign up Y Combinator as a customer. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, so in the beginning of the, or halfway through the program, I received a survey from, from Y Combinator. So how are you finding the program? Are you happy that uh, so far? And um, what do you think about the office hours, about the dinners, and so on? And I immediately saw it as an opportunity, and I said, "Hey, how about I analyze um, this data set for you so that you can see what the results are like um, compared to somebody reading it?" Yeah. And um, they really liked it. They are regularly. Send, sending out surveys to founders. They're, in fact, they're really passionate about customer feedback and it's one of their mantras is talk to your users. And um, the product improved because they ended up started using uh, our tool and they pointed out all of the things that are wrong with it. So far, when we would sell to large enterprises, they would, they would say, this is wonderful, this is great, we really love it. But people in Silicon Valley are used to much better things, much more easy and user-friendly things. So they provided a lot of feedback that we immediately took on board, which is why then they signed up as a customer. Ah, that's so cool. And like, if you have the, the home of kind of uh, the, the incubator of so many great ideas as a lighthouse customer, that must help with your next com conversations with uh, big companies. Big companies don't know much about no. Y Combinator, no. so, <laughs> uh, but it does um, make an impression on potential investors. What's it been like um, trying to create a sales model? Because both you and your husband, your husband was like uh, chief architect at Serato, is that right? Yeah, so that's right. Bo yeah. Both technical uh, engineering side uh, kind of founders. How was that then learning to, um, and, and what did you have to kind of upskill and add to be able to go and do founder-led sales to companies like Stripe, which if, if anyone doesn't know about Stripe in New Zealand is a huge international payments company. Yeah, so um, 
what happened was I was trying to sell um, my, a version of my PhD research initially, and I think there there has been companies contacting me in, where, that were interested in it. For example, NATO contacted me at some point and <laughs> said, can we use Maui, the tool that I developed during my PhD, to analyze all of the papers that their scientists are um, putting together and to ensure that they can collaborate with each other. And um, I was never able to actually make a sale and so I was chatting to Rich Chetwind, he's CEO of Litmus, um, then this data, both companies that he sold um, to, into U US. And he said, well, you know what, you just need to do a sales course so that you know how to actually close the deal. And um, I ended up doing a sales course with Miles Valentine, uh, just a two day workshop. And it was eye opening because I could, basically understand that there is a clear process that you need to follow and um, it's all about doing the right things, saying the right things at the right time, asking the right questions is, I, I guess, is the number one. So asking people, when do you need it? Um, how much are you prepared to pay? And it's kind of difficult for an engineer to ask some of these questions, but you just get used to it. <laughs> And how about in um, putting things in terms of like finding the problem? Because uh, I've seen um, in, in interviews you've done talking about that idea of, you know, find a really hard problem for people and solve it. Yeah, so at the same time as I was trying to sell Maui, I was um, invited um, for a meeting at Fairfax Media. And finding a problem worth solving is so important. So during that meeting, I showed them a demo of Maui and they said, wow, this looks great. So I came up with my, um, with my question, when do you think you will need it by? And they said something about six months time and I understood that it's not a product I should be focusing on. But in the same meeting, there was another um, Fairfax, um, employee and she said you know what we're running all of these surveys so I was wondering if we could use Maui to analyze feedback from those surveys and we looked around we couldn't find anything other than really expensive US uh, big big brands um, so I understood straight away that um, this is something that is worth solving because they, she couldn't find any solution and then I asked her when do you think you will need it and she said, well, as soon as possible, we're already starting and pretty much next month we need to make a decision. And I dropped everything and focused on solving that particular problem. And was that a, was that a far smaller problem than the original problem you tried to solve? Like quite often these apps that work, it's when they shut off a lot of the possibilities and seem to go re really narrow. It is a much more difficult problem because I had to basically start from scratch and I couldn't reuse anything out of my PhD other than some of the key ideas. Um, but at the same time, we focused on Net Promoter Score surveys, which is a specific type of surveys. And um, this has helped us narrow down the problem. And now we're slowly expanding to other types of surveys uh, to chat logs, to um, even forms. And a net promoter survey uh, is the one everyone who's ever been using a product and then it says how likely are you to recommend this to a friend and it makes you pick a value between 1 and 10. 
uh, it's that one which is standardized across everyone but then that open text box must be the actual only place where there is insight and something that's totally just for that company yeah exactly so pretty much every company cares about brand loyalty and how likely people are to recommend and you know the word of mouth marketing is the best type of marketing and um, net promoter score is measuring that so companies typically would have would use NPS as a KPI and um, people are very motivated to increase that K to hit this KPI, KPI and increase their NPS so they need to understand how they can actually do it and so they ask um, why did you give us the score and what can we improve so typically two open-ended questions so we pull out the information from this data and tell them if you solve this problem your NPS will go by this much Tell me how the um, startup incubator in New Zealand you've been part of, Photophone Zone, how's that helped you along the journey? Yeah, so we actually got into Zone before we got into Y Combinator mm. and um, we had to have a conversation with both of these um, programs. Can we do both at the same time? And we managed to find a way. And um, Vodafone Zone is very different, but it's also a very amazing pro program for um, young startups. Um, it's run by a team of very passionate people and um, really provided us with a unique insight into how corporates work. Mm -hmm. And um, without Vodafone Zone, we probably wouldn't been able to understand how to sign up such a large customer like Vodafone. Yeah, and, and how does that kind of thing make, you, you know, um, one of the reasons that so many startups have had you know, young male single founders, is it's really hard to throw everything into a startup when you have a family and a mortgage and, and a life. Does that kind of um, infrastructure help provide a pathway to, to take the leap? So both Zone and Y Combinator um, provide you with, um, with money. Mm. Um, Zone didn't take equity. Um, it was $20,000, and Y Combinator took 7% of equity for 120000 US dollars. And um, definitely you, you, you can use that money to then um, grow, uh, start, start the company. In our case, we already um, have been profitable by that time, so for us, this wasn't the deciding factor. What has helped us um, to start a company is... Um, well, first of all, Nathan was on his full salary, whereas I was on maternity leave and slowly um, coming out of it and gradually finding, um, looking for interesting things to work on. We bootstrapped the company, meaning that I was offering professional services, consulting um, in R&D, in um, some programming, programming work, and at the same time, really trying to sell thematic to companies before we build it. So would they be prepared to pay for it before we have a fully fledged system? And this has helped us um, realize that. What advice do you give to entrepreneurs wanting to start out? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, what kind of people come and ask you about, um, about what they want to know about starting out? Well, the, the piece of advice that I got is to do a sales course. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, I recommend this to any entrepreneur because you're always selling to potential customers, to investors, to employees, and you need to be good at it. Uh, the other thing I tell them 
is um, if there are engineers, I actually got given wrong piece of, piece of advice that I need a business person to um, hold my hand and I wouldn't be able to do it myself. And that meant that actually I wasted a lot of money trying to find that business person to join the um, thematic. Um, and ultimately it didn't work out and we had to do it ourselves. But when I joined Y Combinator, I learned that really if you can get things done and you're really passionate about the problem you're solving, you, don't, you can do it alone. And, and I imagine if you're a learner, because it sounds to me from a lot of the things you've done, you've seen the problem, identified it, and then learned a way through it, which if listening to like Mark Andreessen talking about um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he says, you know, he's probably the best learner he's ever known, and that's why he's been successful as a CEO. Um, learning is definitely an element. Persistence, I think, is incredibly important. So you can be learning, but if you're not targeting that towards a particular goal that you're wanting to solve at all costs, then um, it won't, wouldn't be as effective. And yeah, how, how are you finding it? Like, um, you were at an exciting moment having uh, graduated the course, um, picked up some massive, um, massive clients and now got investment for some really top tier people. Like, what, what's next? Is this, does it feel like um, you're at a moment where things are kind of opening up or is it still feeling like it's a push or what's it like? It's a very exciting moment once you've completed the fundraising. And uh, just to say a couple of words about that, um, our funding is led by Airtree. They're an Australian venture capital firm. Um, we also have a local investor, Rowan Simpson, who has been here on, on this podcast um, together with Sasha Judd, mm -hmm. um, who is amazing. And um, we also have local investors in Silicon Valley. So. Um, what this enabled us is to basically say, okay, instead of waiting until we have the money and have absolute security to hire people, we will hire them now and then um, grow the company using other people's skills and contributions. And um, what I'm learning now is how to manage the team because now we went from two people and one part-time person to um, almost a team of 10. And, and so what does this open up now? Where to next for Thematic? Well, the next step is to continue focusing on our growth um, and figuring out how we can both lead on the R&D as we have done in the past, um, but also be very strong at sales and marketing. So we have hired salespeople in the US. We have um, a marketing person building up our content marketing strategy. And at the same time, um, enhancing the product and working on new exciting features. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming today to talk to us, Dr. Eliona Medellin, the CEO of uh, Thematic. Uh, check them out at, uh, is it Get Thematic? Is it the, the, yeah, the website? Get th getthematic.com. Yeah, yeah. getthematic.com. Check them out. If you happen to have a large company with many surveys, they'll be uh, of great help and can't wait to see where you take it next. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much, Jose Barbosa, for producing. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to Vodafone Zone, our new sponsor. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. All this was brought to your ears by the spin-off and Vodafone Zone. 
from the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.